Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the offices of Pretoria Law in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Gene Sachs, Cressa, Brian Chandler, Pretoria Law, Tom Miller, Thompson Greenspun, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, and Les Small and Vistage. Les, can you give us a rundown on who we have the opportunity of speaking with today, please? We've got Anne Lindblad, President and CEO of Amos Corporation, George Fritz, President Home Horizon Builders Group, uh, Mo Joffrey, CEO of Chorus, and Michelle Givens, President CEO of Editorial Projects and Education, Inc. Let's get to know our first guest, Ann Lindblad, President and CEO of the Emmis Corporation. Ann, what is the Emmis Corporation? What are you guys doing? The Emmis Corporation is a contract research organization. We design, execute, and publish uh, clinical research studies in collaboration with researchers around the world. Interesting. How large or how small is this organization? The company was founded in 1977. We have 650 people in offices in the U.S., Canada, and India. Uh-huh. How long have you been with this organization? I came in 1982. 1982. You've been there a long time. Where are you from originally? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. How many brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest of four, two sisters, one brother. Uh-huh. What was the effect of you growing up the youngest of four in Ohio? I had to learn how to have my voice heard, but we were a tribe that uh, played hard together. Give me that again. You had to have, give, me, give me that again. Uh, when you're the youngest, uh, yeah. your voice is not the loudest always. And oh. so I had to learn how to listen to others and make sure my voice was part of the conversation. As well. So interesting. Brian. Yes. I noticed that uh, you were really interested in math and science as a youth. And I'm wondering what sort of piqued that interest. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, My mother was a math teacher, and math always came easy to me. I loved it. Um, And when I I always loved science and thought maybe I'd be a physician, but then I mutilated a frog in grade school, and that ruled that out. And what you after you mutilated this frog? uh, what, What what were your thoughts about where you would go with science at that point in time? I just took a lot of courses. I went to an all-girls school, Laurel mm-hmm. School, and I, in senior year, I took a statistics course, and that led me on my path to biostatistics. So you really loved that course, and that sort of drove you forward from there? Yes. Uh-huh. Gene? And being with Emma since 1982 is a really long time. Did you anticipate that you would be there this long? No, I never really thought about it. I uh, kept coming every day, and every day I learned something new. And so I never really considered moving to another corporation. And we understand that you have a lifelong love of horses as well. Can you tell us about that? Yep. I grew up on a farm and uh, always was attracted to horses. It uh, taught me a good work ethic and uh, how to take care of uh, other living things. Well, wait, so you, you mentioned that you would do something in the morning with the horses and something in the afternoon. What was that all about? Yeah, so when you're on a farm and you have chickens and sheep and horses, somebody has to take care of them. And that um, I was the youngest, so I was the one that got up in the morning and uh, took care of them before I caught the school bus to school. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with your work career? I think uh, when you're uh, cleaning up after horses, uh, you learn how to do anything that's needed to be done. Uh-huh. And so uh, we do that within our office as well. Everybody needs to be willing, I'll, I'll use the phrase, do windows. Uh-huh. Interesting. Tom. So I, we found interesting your, uh, how the pecking order of you being the youngest has affected you where you are today. I'm curious as to the relationship with your mom and dad, how that's trans carried over into today's world and what you do. Yeah, I think my mother being a math teacher um, and, and going to work with uh, her three daughters at school with them really instilled that, that you could do anything you wanted to do and nothing should hold you back. So I never thought that there was a limitation because I was a woman, for example. My dad commuted a long way to work. It's probably why I've been doing it myself. I live in Middleburg, but commute to Rockville. Um, and he was always very happy in his job. And so those both were really good role models for me. Hmm, interesting. Andrea, what are you picking up? answer the questions that I had. Uh, the, the, the dad and the long commutes, um, it, the, the work ethic, the persistency, the determination. Tell me more about that and where you are today. Yeah, I think um, when you're 
doing something that you love. Uh, sometimes things occur uh, that you might need to take a risk, and I think you can't be afraid to just keep mo moving forward and opening that door and walking through it. And I think um, you make your decisions based on your values. So my dad's value was a good home life for his kids, so we lived on a farm, but he commuted to a job that was something he enjoyed, but was also dependable for our family. Hmm, interesting. Les, what are you thinking? Yeah, how old were you when you found your voice, and what has that got to do with how you run your company today? Uh, I, I don't ever remember not having a voice. Uh, my nickname was Chatty Annie. Um, I think what it's uh, done for me today is I had to learn the other side of becoming a really good listener. You had to learn the other... Wait, 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 wait. Les was asking what's, you know, what's involved in being the uh, CEO of the 650-person organization. And if I heard you correct, you told me that you've learned to listen. I don't, I don't understand the connection there. Right. Well, listening, I think, is one of the most important skills of being a leader. Um, when you only hear part of a story or if your voice is the loudest voice, you don't get the input you need to make the right decisions. And so, one, you need to listen, but make sure you're listening to a wide That's variety of people. That's not what I read in the newspapers. You're telling me that you, I thought, that be, I read in the newspapers that being the boss, you tell your people what to do. If they don't do them, you fire them. Isn't that the way you run an organization? No, I find sometimes if I do what other people uh, suggest, sometimes it's better than my own ideas. Wait a minute. You're not the smartest person on the team? I hope not. Oh, my gosh. I'm learning something today. Who's got the next question here? Yeah, what's this? You had mentioned something about the base. I'm just carrying this theme a little bit further. Um, you said you had to find, you had to make your voice heard when you were younger because in the youngest of four, you don't necessarily have the loudest voice or people are paying attention to you. So where does the base that you were talking about earlier fit into this? Were you engaged in debates growing up? Uh, I always enjoyed debates. Um, I found them interesting. I always learned something from them, and it was like a puzzle uh, to see if you could find that key that would uh, bring you to winning the debate. Wait a minute. So the, so the debate, winning the debate wasn't necessarily winning. It was putting together the puzzle, putting together the puzzle so that it really made sense. Yes, and I, I'm, uh, one of my other interests is doing puzzles even today. Isn't that what you do for a living, though? Of course. What do you mean? What's the parallel there? Uh, when you're designing research studies, uh, you have to always have creative problem solving and to be able to see how pieces might fit together to be the most efficient solution to design a trial that will actually improve public health. You're really built for your gig as CEO of this research organization, putting together the puzzle pieces for your clients. It makes a lot of sense to me. Tom, what do you think? How do you, how do you get this over to your staff? How do you teach your staff and mentor them to learn these fine qualities? I think one of the most important things is people can't be afraid, one, to make decisions, and two, to make mistakes. Um, we always learn more from mistakes. And so I think our culture is one of our our name, Emmis, means truth in Hebrew, and so that's part of our mission is to shed light and truth on public health issues, and so we need the whole team to do that, and we need them to bring the, all their ideas forward wait, to help wait, us wait, do wait, that. Wait, wait. What, the, the name, why is the company named what it's named? Uh, the founder was going to call it the American Statistical Corporation, and a lawyer told him he needed a two-syllable nonsense word. He was Jewish. He knew Emmis meant truth. As a statistician, we try to estimate truth. Wow. And that really, and that's really what you're perpetrating through the organization. That's what Tom was bringing up earlier, which is, you know, constantly trying to figure out what's the best. You don't have to have the best answer. It's a matter of, you know, a variety of opinions. That's right. Uh-huh. Next question. Who's got it here? And do you face any challenges being a female CEO? I don't feel like I face challenges being a female CEO. It's a question that's commonly asked to female CEOs. I think that came from my up uh, upbringing in uh, single-sex education and that uh, you can do anything that you put your mind to it. So I don't really think about gender in that fashion. Um, within our organization, uh, we promote anybody that has the talent and the drive to uh, continue the business that we do. So you're looking at the soul of the individual. You're looking at the talent of the individual. It doesn't matter to you, race, religion, any of that stuff just doesn't matter at this point. It's a matter of who the person is. That's correct. Uh-huh. Um, you went to an all-girls school. What was the upside of that? What was the downside of that? I haven't found a downside for me. I went to an all-girl high school and college. 
Uh, I think being a woman in math and science, it's probably why I have my attitude that I can do anything that I set my mind to. Uh, there was nobody there to ever say that I couldn't do something. You know, Andrea was talking about that earlier where she was really impressed. Now, your mom taught at the school. Yes, she did. Uh-huh. Wasn't that intimidating because all your friends knew that was your mother and you're probably getting special treatment and stuff? She made it very clear that I was not allowed to ask her for help at home. And, in fact, the first day I did the wrong assignment. And so when we all read our answers, I had done the wrong assignment because, obviously, I hadn't asked her when I got home. So, so you she was happy with that, so actually. <laughs> so you proved to everybody that you weren't getting special treatment by not doing exactly the right Exactly, on the first day. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well, and what grade was that in? Uh, that was in sixth grade. Oh, my gosh. That's such a pivotal point in time where we're overturning teenagers. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is the website address of the MS Corporation? It's MS spelled E-M-M-E-S dot com. So it's MS E-M-M-E-S dot com. We've been speaking with Ann Lindblad, President and CEO of the MS Corporation here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We will be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? I'm Matt McDarby. I'm the Managing Director of Specialized Sales Systems. And what, what is Specialized Sales Systems? What do you guys do? We take an untraditional approach to sales training and development. What do you mean by that? Well, we focus on the leader. Uh, traditional sales training approaches focus on delivering some content and some learning to salespeople and stepping away and hoping something good happens. As opposed to? Focusing on developing the sales management team first. If they change the way they do their jobs, the rest of the organization executes how'd at a high level. How do you get a sense to do things differently? Going back to a very early age as an athlete, competitively, I learned an important what was lesson. The, what was the lesson? What happened? Uh, a high school quarterback, second stringer, got moved to the front. Number one lesson I learned was if you want the offense to perform at a high level, you move quickly out of the huddle, snap the ball quickly, run the next play as quickly as possible. So you were how old when this happened? I was 15, 16. And what ended up impressing you from that experience? That uh, if the leader uh, demonstrated focus and confidence that the team around him or her was going to eventually demonstrate the same level of confidence. Isn't that what you're doing in your sales training company? Of course. What what do you mean? Tell me more about that. Well, a a sales organization that wants to perform at a high level, uh, that kind of change has to start at the top. It can't start from the bottom up. The leaders have to step up first and change first. So you're training the leaders first so that they're able to, that they really know how to quarterback. Right. And we're helping them assemble and build their own sales development system that they own and believe in versus renting someone else's ideas. Interesting. So you're teaching them how to fish so they don't have to keep coming back for the fish. What's the website address of this organization? SpecializedSalesSystems.com. Let me have that one more time. Specialized salessystems.com. And your name again is? Matt McDarby. And the name of the organization? SpecializedSalesSystems.com. And this is uh, Herb Cohen. This has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Josh Levy. And the name of the organization? Brunch Digital. And what is Brunch Digital? What are you guys doing? We're a small uh, DC-based design development studio. We focus on online marketing and graphic design for small to medium businesses. So what, what turns you on about your gig and what qualifies you to do this? I've always had a passion for design technology ever since I was little. My mom's an artist, an art educator, so I got a lot of the d- design aspects from that. And then I've always had a um, niche and like, liking for technology. I took apart a computer, our f- family's first computer when I was 12, nearly giving my parents a heart attack because they thought I broke it. So you, 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 when you look at things, you see things special, don't you? I try to. I like to see the connection between how people use uh, our products, whether it be apps, websites, or printed materials, and how that influences them uh, from a psychological aspect. I was also a psych major in college. Wow. You're seeing the connection between man and machine, naturally. You're trying, you're trying to figure out, you know, not is it necessarily pretty, but is it going to create the result that we needed to create? Absolutely. We focus on ensuring that everything is as user-friendly as can be. If, I, if you have to have an instruction manual for one of the products we've created, we've failed. Isn't that what Apple was all about? Everyone always asks us, can you make our website like Apple? That's what you're doing. You're trying, when you're looking at stuff implicitly, you're trying to figure out how to make it work as easy as possible and get the proper kind of emotional reaction. 
What's the website address of this organization? Brunchdigital.com. Let me have that one more time. Brunchdigital.com. Brunchdigital.com. And your name again is? Josh Levy. And the company's name is Brunch Brunch Digital. Digital. Excellent. And this is Herb Cohen, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce George Fritz, president of Horizon Builders Group. George, what is Horizon Builders Group? What are you guys doing? Uh, residential um, homes, premier residential construction. Uh, how large or how small is this organization? Over 100, 100 employees right now. Uh-huh. And where are you from originally? Anne Arundel County, Maryland. And how many brothers and sisters? One brother, younger. One brother, younger. Now, you mentioned earlier that um, that the organization's special. Why is the organization special? Do you have any proof of it? We've been um, uh, awarded with uh, a number of awards, but uh, one of the largest ones has been one of the best builders in the, uh, in the country. Why, why, why is that so important to you, being one of the best or the premier builder in the country and certainly this region? Well, if our business is custom homes, then people tend to want them to be darn near perfect, and that's what we strive to do. But <laughs> so, so as opposed to building everything the same, you, you like the challenge of trying to please these homeowners that want their specialized homes? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, Tom? So, George, you told us at 14 you took a job at Burger King. That's right. What did you find yourself doing different than all the other kids that has translated into this excellence that you've created in your job today? Well, I actually took the job pretty seriously. I remember that. And I remember the boss one day talking about painting the curbs yellow and uh, finding a painter. And I went to the boss and said, heck, I can do that. My my father had uh, my father and I had worked on uh, properties that we owned, owned as well, a family. Well, why, why did you raise your hand and say, I can do that? Was it because you wanted to make more money? No, because I knew that I could do it well. I knew that I could prep it well and paint it well. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on for a second. So you're 15, 14 years old. You're working at Burger King. The owner of the store mentions that he needs to get the paint, the curb painted, and you raised your hand and said, I'll do it. Didn't it occur to you that you were raising your hand to do more work for no money? On top of it was about 90 degrees outside, too. That's right. No, it was just the challenge, not only the challenge, but the fact that I knew how to do it. Because my father had taught me how to do that. The challenge. So you like a challenge. Yes. Uh-huh. I see. Brian? Well, George, was your father in business? Yes. He, he had a full-time job where he worked, uh, and then he started his uh, own business. While he had a full-time uh, job, uh, owned a, uh, a gas station and a uh, mechanic shop. Okay. And did you work as a child at the uh, as mechanic shop? Well, 15 years old. Uh, but, yes, I did. Okay, was, did you enjoy it? What was it like? It actually was fun. I enjoyed it. You know, changing tires, pumping gas, uh, you know, sweeping up, uh, learning about how things work and uh, that kind of thing. And what did you learn from that experience and from your uh, seeing your dad operate in the business world? Well, my father didn't say too much. He mm-hmm. just did a lot. So um, you, you, that's the role model that I had. And uh, you learned that you know, hard work gets you someplace. And did you uh, did did you also interact with customers or see your your father interact with customers? Oh, too? absolutely, yes. And is there anything about customer service or anything of that nature that you learned? Yeah, what's working in a gas station have to do with building custom homes? Well, you have to keep people happy. At a gas station? Oh, absolutely. Well, how'd you do that at a gas station? Well, if if you were pumping gas and some of the gas ran out onto somewhere, you would immediately get a rag and wipe it up off the car or whatever else, uh, or even changing a tire. You know, do it quickly and efficiently, and not stop and uh, uh, and uh, man, your name, your name is to please people. It was to please the guy that was running the Burger King. It was to please the customers at your par- at your father's gas station. It's like you want to keep people happy all the time, don't you? I try. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Andrea, what are you thinking? So you're building custom homes for families, and and a lot of that uh, work involves emotion uh, for your customers. You know, it's their dream home that you're taking care of. It, does that does that drive to, to fulfill their emotional needs stem from you know the work that you pl- had early on? Why not Class A space? Why not construction in a different industry? Yeah. Why don't you choose something a little bit less emotionally challenging? I think it chose me, but uh, uh, the answer to that 
is that uh, that is an extension of uh, of how I grew up. And you talk about excellence. So excellence. What does your family say about excellence uh, in in your work and and, and in you? Well. Mo both parents uh, coming out of the Great Depression and then my father in World War II for over four, four and a half years. Um, uh, and then the idea of, uh, of hard work uh, and that, you, that work will get you somewhere and that you must have pride in what you do and, and the product that you produce. You, you pick some really challenging work to do in building customs homes for very demanding people, but you weren't always doing that. You were a, what, Maryland State Trooper as well? I was a Maryland State Trooper for about nine years in a full service barrack. What did you learn from there that you use? Uh, I learned how to uh, handle difficult situations. I learned how to listen well, and I learned how to make a decision and stick with it. And I also learned how to uh, handle people when they are at their worst. Hmm. So why did you change? Why didn't you continue with that? It's tough uh, having a family uh, and uh, making enough money to um, uh, want a trooper salary back then anyway. So was it about the money or was it about something else? It was, uh, it was uh, when I left and I was always doing building part time. Uh, you know, I had as so my like father, your father, you were working two jobs much, too. Pretty much. Yeah. Work is uh, work is important in my life and um, family also. So uh, when I knew coming across some very dangerous situations that, you know, one day uh, after our first child uh, came back home and uh, told my wife, I, I don't think I can do it anymore. And uh, I decided to get into this building business. Mm -hmm. Was it because you knew how things worked doing that or is that something you had to learn as well? Uh, no, I learned I learned that growing up with my father and taking care of properties and plus working part time here with framing or building, mm -hmm. and plus the troopers that I work with, a number of them, one of them was a block layer who taught me how to lay block. Cool, Tom. So it's it's very admirable that what your real motivation is excellence, and that is just wonderful to hear that. But you work with a lot of contractors under you subcontractors, and you're going to work with a lot of employees. How do you make sure that you're able to disseminate that? drive for excellence to them since they're down there in the trenches as they say you do that by first of all seeking out those subcontractors that have that reputation uh, and then you do that by understanding who they are and what drives them and what motivates them and when there's an issue how how do they handle it not if it's always when and then when you get into a situation there is a problem you just watch what happens and then, of course, the outcome has to be... Your understanding of people is incredible. I mean, you're not talking about sticks and bricks. You're talking about people here. Uh, you're a dad, I assume? Four kids. Uh -huh. yep. What's the similarity between being the... Uh, it says here you're the president of Horizon Builders Group and uh, being a dad. What's the similarity? Uh, they're all my kids. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, if, if it's my idea or, or the company's idea, uh, let's call it my idea... Mm -hmm. Uh, to strive for excellence or we call it darn near perfect um, then that I need to make sure that they understand where uh, where that takes us it's the same thing as raising kids uh, exactly uh-huh interesting what's the website address for horizon builders group horizon builders net. let me have that one more time HorizonBuildersInc.net. We've been speaking with George Fritz, president of Horizon Builders Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, and we'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. 
Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Kirsten Holmes. And Kirsten, what organization are you with? Keepers Staffing. And what does Keepers Staffing do? So we are a staffing agency um, providing talent acquisition. What's what's that mean? What are you talking about? Um, for our clients, uh, we yeah. fill positions for them um, or provide temporary assistance. So you're helping businesses get people. We are. Uh huh. How do you know what a business needs? That goes with meeting our clients. Um, we believe in face-to-face uh, meetings, conversations, so really digging so deep. So you're meeting with your clients? Yep, I am. And when you're talking with them, do they always know what they need? No. <laughs> so don't. you're helping them define what they need? Yes. And sometimes is what they need, uh, what they think they need a little different than what you think they need? Yes. Do you <laughs> tell them that? I do. Uh-huh. Actually, I do. Uh, so you want to make sure you're clear before you get a job order. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. And uh, then what do you do? Well, uh, we create that business relationship um, with them. We're really matchmakers, if you will, mm-hmm. um, trying to find them the talent that they're looking for to make their lives easier. Mm-hmm. So then you're going through databases and making calls and doing all that. Kind of, or actually, it's your people that are doing that, right? Yeah, my team. Yep. So what's your role in the business? I am the manager of the branch in Alexandria. So let's see. So you're meeting with clients and you're also helping the recruiters recruit. Yep, I do that as well. So you've got a clever side to you. You know all the tricks of the (laughs) trade. I guess you can say Uh, that. What's the best part of your job? Um, Really the people. Um, I love my team. Um, Being a leader is very important to me. What's the best part about being a leader? What do you like about leading? Um, I really like being that uh, motivator. Um, you know, for my team and for our, our associates, which is our mm-hmm. staff. Well, that's interesting. So you're not yelling and screaming at people, huh? No. What's the website address of this organization? It's keepersstaffing.com. Let me have that one more time. Keepersstaffing.com. And your name is? Kirsten Holmes. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, And what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, We found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And next time, I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mo Joffrey, who's the CEO of Chorus. Mo, what is, what is Chorus? What are you guys doing? We're the first business agility software. What do you mean by that? What are you talking about? We bring we bring uh, insight and decisions into the C-level from bringing the information up through the ranks. All righty. And where are you from originally? Originally, I was born in uh, the West Bank of Israel. Uh-huh. How young were you when you came to the United States? I was four years old. Uh, you mentioned you had an experience. Uh, what was that experience you had when you came to the United States? We got lost in New York. For how many days? Four days. You got lost in New York for four days, and you're the youngest of four. Uh-huh. Youngest of five. Youngest of five, excuse me. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Tom, what do you what are you thinking there? And, and Mo, you'd also mentioned you all didn't speak very good English at the time. So here you are in a very dangerous situation. And when we asked you, did you what did you recall? And you said, well, we were just in New York, which I found remarkable that your mother was able to keep such a dangerous situation in such a calm manner. What is it about your mom or you've learned from your mom that you've been able to translate into your business? Bad things happen and you can't always control them. So you, you do the best you can with what you got uh, and you move on uh, and wait for that sunny day to come through. So you're telling me when stuff doesn't go quite the way you expected, when you end up with some surprises, your game is not to fold your cards down. It's to figure out how to keep on rocking. Absolutely. Uh-huh. All right, Brian, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm interested to hear a bit about your father. Uh, your father came here in, you said, 1955 to this country, and he worked for many years before he could bring all of you over. Uh, what did he do? What were, what were his business efforts, uh, and what did you learn from them? He was a barber by trade, but he was actually had his hands uh, into many things, one of them being a liquor store in Cleveland, which really threw my siblings and my, myself off. What, what, do you, what do you mean it threw you guys off? Why? Uh, my dad's a Muslim, so having a guy who uh, would own a liquor store uh, just means that he would do anything he could to keep his family above the waterline. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with who you are? has everything. It just keeps, uh, keeps us going. How many, how many businesses are you involved with right now? Three. Oh, you think Dad's getting involved and doing whatever it took had anything to do with you being involved with three businesses nowadays? Seems so, yes. Uh-huh. You plan to retire? Uh, no. Why? I don't know what I would do. I don't play enough golf, and I certainly don't paint. Uh-huh. So you're telling me that uh, you know, you, you've got, uh, you got work in your blood. And uh, that's quite interesting. Um, who's got the next question here? I, I do. So, so um, most 8- to 14-year-old boys uh, these days are sitting at home playing video games. They're watching TV. They're surfing the web. That wasn't what you did when you were that age, did you? No. We, we played sports outside. We um, ran after cars. I mean, we did anything that uh, just kept us busy. We worked around the yards. Who's, we, who's we did everything. We? Who's we? Who's we? Uh, my friends in the neighborhood. Your friends in the neighborhood, were they older? Were they younger? A, a little bit of both, mostly my age. It, it was a nice neighborhood to grow up in. Uh-huh. And you really felt like camaraderie. Absolutely. How many of them were there? Uh, about four of us. Uh-huh. And you guys stuck pretty tight together? For the most part, yeah. Uh -huh. One one of them is uh, I uh -huh. still keep in touch with today. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with how you've built your business? You know, it's building the relationships, keeping them going, and understanding that, you know, there are, there are times that you don't agree, but it's, uh, we still have something to fall back on. You learned that on the street at 14 years old? Seems so, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have uh, two brothers and two sisters. Where are you in the pecking order? Um, I am the last. Uh-huh. What did that do to you? Um, there's 10 years between us, so there was, uh, I was the, considered the baby of the family. The baby of the family. Andrea, what are you thinking? So you were the baby of the family, but now you're the CEO of, of a prominent company here in the region. Talk to me about you know, what you learned as being the baby of the family and, and how that differs from maybe where you are leading the family, the corporate it, family. The corporate so family, yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's always been... Uh, I guess a, uh, a wanted thing for me was to always lead. Um, I love reading books about leaders and you well, know, you how they Well, you were called a baby. It. You were the baby, exactly. so everything so was that handed drove, to you, right? Yes, the drive, was, the drive was to get away from being the baby and become the driver. So, but being the CEO, that was handed to you, right? That was easy. Right? Seems so sometimes, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> not the case for you. No, it, absolutely not. We, uh, we earned every inch, and... Uh, and that's what we try to build within our uh, within our companies. One of the other things that Dad taught you at a young age when you first came here, from what you've told me, is to assimilate. You know, assimilation, assimilation, being new to the area, not speaking the language, or having accents, as, as you described it. Um, talk to me, talk to me about assimilation in the neighborhood with your friends and 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 in the street, and how that translates to how you lead a, an organization today. Well, we. You know, from an assimilation standpoint, it was to understand the language, it was to learn it the best you could, and um, to, prov you know, to be able to communicate. And a lot of what we do right now for our clients is uh, to understand their situation, to understand their challenges, and communicate back to them not only the challenge that they're having, but the solutions that we perceive are going to help 
move them forward. So before you make a recommendation to a client, you take the time to better understand homework. who they are and what matters to them. Homework, homework, homework. And how'd you learn that in your childhood? It was beaten into me. What are you talking about? It, I was not a good student. Uh, mother uh, was pushed me to sit down and study. Um, I'm ADD um, with, uh, on steroids, and it's very difficult to concentrate. But uh, when you're forced to do it and you do it, you just get it done. Get what done? Do my homework. Mm-hmm. What's that have to do with building a business? It's to understand what the marketplace looks like and making changes within that marketplace that lead your or, leads your organization forward and leads the people that how's are around you that are helping How is your ADD helping you build the business? Um, since you're asking me, I think it's great. Why? How? Um, I have a very small attention span, but uh, my staff knows it, and they really make up for all my inadequacies. Should you be admitting that on the air? Maybe not. Well, maybe so, though. I think, isn't that the strength of the leader of surrounding themselves with stronger people? And it sounds like you did that when you were a kid playing in the neighborhood with the four or five other friends where maybe you guys didn't agree all the time, but you kept them around. It sounds like that's what you've done with your team, admitting on the air the fact that you're not the smartest guy on the team and that, you know, you have ADD and that they really compliment you. It sounds like it's an organic kind of thing as opposed to you're the boss. I enjoy the people that are around me, and, and they do uh, give a lot of insight where uh, wait, I wait, think wait, it's wait, needed. Wait, 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 wait. You enjoy the people around you? Of course. Is that what the work's supposed to be about? M maybe a job, no, but work, yes. What are you talking about there? What do you mean? Work is what you make it. It's uh, the fun that you have around people, whether you're um, getting ready for an event or you're... So you're telling me you have fun with business. I do. That's not what I read in the newspapers, but, you know, I appreciate what you're telling me. Who's got the next question here? I want to bring Mom back into the conversation here. Um, you were like, uh, you, you mentioned that you were raised almost as an, uh, an only child because of the age difference between you and your other siblings. Uh, what, what impact did she have on you that you actually use today? Keeping the family together. Um, you know, business can take away and take uh, attention to details, but there's always strength in the family um, and ensuring that I push that towards my children and also the work ethic that they have uh, is really directly correlated from my parents. What, what, what do you mean? What do, what do you mean you push that towards your kids? What are you pushing? It, it's so easy with uh, the ability to cater to the children today uh, with everything from an Xbox to a TV, you name it, they, they have the world at their hands. They have Siri at their hands. But what they don't have with their hands is, are the family and friends that they need to bring together. Uh, what they need is the work ethics that have to be uh, present when they move forward. So what was mom's contribution to that? Everything. What do you mean everything? She always had family over the house. She, uh, her and my dad, people would walk down the street and they would invite them in literally when she was baking bread or they were doing something. Somebody said it smelled good. I, it was sometimes it was embarrassing that they would just bring somebody in who was walking past the house but into well, the house. And, but what's your understanding of why they did that now? Through, through the lens, they, they now. were they enjoyed the fact of getting to know someone that they didn't know, and that's a that's an, an interesting set of skills. Hmm. Tom, I wanted to go back more to your dad. You said something earlier that I just found phenomenal. You, you, your dad came to the country in 55 and finally got you all back here in 1970, 15 years later. Which What I find remarkable is the persistence that he went at to bring his family here. How has that translated into your business? It's, you know, nothing that starts is the same. So uh, developing, uh, ensuring that we follow the rules that we set forth, the ethics that we set forth, and keeping, just keep moving. Uh -huh. We'll be like Dory, just keep swimming. Uh -huh. do, do, you, do you think that has an impact on when you were talking about your ADA, how you just keep going and going also? I believe so, yes. Uh-huh. Well, what's the, what's the website address for uh, this organization? Course.com. How do you spell that? C-O-R-A-S.com. C-O-R-A-S dot com, Chorus dot com. We've been speaking with Mo Joffrey, who's the CEO of Chorus here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. 
And your name is? Michael Del Pierre. And Michael, what's the name of your organization? Conversion Pipeline. And what do you guys do? What's Conversion Pipeline all about? We are a digital marketing agency. So give me an idea of what kind of clients you help and how you go about helping these clients. We have clients ranging from the small mom and pops all the way up to the Fortune 500 companies. And our main focus is uh, lead generation through online means such as paid advertising and organic search. So you're helping your customers, you're helping your clients generate customers online. And all this confusing stuff you hear about all the involvements that are occurring on the web you're able to sort all that stuff out and present the opportunities to your clients? Correct. What we look at are other different areas where clients can generate leads and generate revenue, whether that's from social media, uh, utilizing Facebook, all the way to Google Paid Advertising, Bing, and other platforms. So you're aware of all the stuff that's going on on the web, and you're talking to your clients about how you might be able to help them with this stuff. And you mentioned this is not the first time you've started a business. You've started previous businesses. So why, why are you doing this? It's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. You mentioned earlier also that you thought you could do it better. What are you talking about? I've seen how some companies service their clients and also seen how some companies do it right and some do it wrong. I think there's a certain way that you can grow the business where it benefits both entities, the business as well as the client. So you're interested in finding certain kind of clients that fit a certain kind of profile and then really servicing them. Correct. We look at ourselves as really as kind of like a virtual chief marketing officer. When somebody needs help to be able to navigate the digital marketing platforms online, they come to us. How interesting. What's the website address of this organization? Conversionpipeline.com. Conversionpipeline.com. And you're actually like an outsourced chief digital marketing officer. Correct. Let me have your website address one last time. Conversionpipeline.com. Conversionpipeline.com. And this is Herb Cohn. We will be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So, how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Wh what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24-by-7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, 
We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michelle Gibbons, who is the president and CEO of Editorial Projects and Education. Michelle, what is Editorial Projects and Education? What are you guys doing? We are a nonprofit, and mm-hmm. we're best known as the publisher of Education Week mm-hmm. and Ed Week Market Brief. Mm-hmm. How large we, or how small is the organization? We're just south of 100 people. Uh-huh. And uh, where are you from originally? Generally from the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. How many schools did you go to gradu- prior to graduating high school? Just about six. All righty. Okay, Andrea, what, what you, what's on your mind there? So between the six schools, I understand you found a passion, you've, as you've told us, in, in music. Is that right? I did. And was there a particular instrument that you were fond of? Yeah, I ended up uh, starting with the clarinet. And how'd that come about? Um, I was uh, uh, sold on the idea of uh, trying it out by someone that visited my elementary school. Great. Did you play by yourself? Uh, no, I played as part of various bands, orchestras, marching bands, etc. Marching bands? That yes. must have been fun. It was great. Is that chaotic? Um, actually, it starts out that way, but uh-huh. uh, through a great... Uh, leader, uh, we uh, become one. So cohesiveness. Yes. That was an element of the marching band that you enjoyed? Absolutely. And a lot of pride uh, in uh, being part of the uh, the halftime uh, football. Is that how game. you lead your organization today? Did, does anything translate from marching band to CEO? Tell me about that. Sure. I think uh, you uh, come to appreciate that uh, without great performance from individuals, uh, there's only so much you can accomplish as the leader or the conductor. Thomas? And so what I find interesting, and excuse the pun, the orchestrating of the marching band, how you bring it all together and what you must do to bring all those different pieces into your organization, how does that work? And how did this marching band teach you to do that? I think uh, it helps you or it helped me appreciate uh, that you need to understand the ways that individuals contribute uh, to create a great whole and how you have to uh, motivate and understand individuals to get the best uh, from each and every one of them. So we've heard about your passion for music, your passion for being in a marching band. Do you have that same passion as the CEO of your organization as well? I hope so. I think I do. And um, yeah. And how is that demonstrated? I mean, what, give us some examples of how you're passionate about what you do. I am uh, incredibly passionate about being part of a news and information company that is making a difference uh, to education policymakers and practitioners and ultimately to students. Brian? Michelle, you have been in publishing and in publications for pretty much your entire career. Yes, that's right. What in your youth sort of directed you toward this area? I I was pretty good, maybe very good, at writing and always an avid reader. And I came to appreciate uh, that I loved ideas and information and connecting ideas and information and to some extent ultimately helping people do their jobs better and frankly holding truth to power. 
When did you first know that you wanted to, to really go into publishing? Uh, it took me a while. I, uh, I uh, uh, struggled a bit in my early 20s to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but ultimately found my way to working for a small organization. What do you mean by truth, uh, truth to power? What, do, what are you talking about there? <laughs> well, I happen to believe in the power of independent fact-based uh, press. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the important roles that um, media organizations mm-hmm. of that type play is mm-hmm. to help us understand what those in power wh- wh- and those why, why with is that money so important uh, are to doing. You? Why is that so important to you from your childhood? Where's that coming from? Well, uh, my father uh, came from nothing and um, used his intellect and his self-discipline to get himself a good education, serve in the Army, use the GI Bill, Mm-hmm to get a great education. So you fundamentally believe in education, don't I, you? I do, and my father was um, always a little skeptical of the man, mm-hmm. and I think I picked up yep. some of that from Lester, him. what are you picking up? Yeah, you had said something earlier about excellence and accomplishment as being real defining things for you in terms of giving you a sense of identity yes. when you were 8 to 14. Does that yes. come from the music? Uh, I think so. That was really my first opportunity to... Um, demonstrate excellence. Why was that important? It gave me, I think, an early sense of identity. Because? Uh, Because I was uh, able to bring discipline and um, uh, focus and become good and really differentiate myself as uh, a performer. Did it allow you to also fit in or did it allow you to stand out when you were younger? I would say both. I think uh, stand out... Um, but also be a part of something larger. Mm. Yeah. Boy, it gave you a lot of stuff. It gave you the ability to fit in as well as stand out and be something part of something larger. It gave you a lot of dimension on yourself. It did, and I'm I'm uh, I'm a little bit competitive, mm-hmm. um, but I tend to be competitive with myself. It's much less about outdoing another particular person. Mm-hmm. It's more about being the best I can be, and mm-hmm. that was one way I could do that. What is the uh, website address of this organization, Editorial Projects in Education? edweek.org. Let me have that one more time. edweek.org. Mm-hmm. We would speak with Michelle Gibbons, President and CEO of Editorial Projects in Education here on Executive Leaders Radio. Les, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with today? We had Ann Lindblad, President and CEO of Emmis Corporation, George Fritsch, President Horizon Builders Group, Mo Joffrey, CEO of Chorus, and Michelle Givens, President CEO of Editorial Projects and Education, Inc. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including George, G, excuse me, Gene Sachs from Cressa, Brian Chandler, Pretoria Law, that's Gene Sachs from Cressa, Brian Chandler from Pretoria Law, Tom Miller, Thompson Greenspun, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, and Les Smolin from Vistage for giving me hand structure in the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we want to thank you for joining us today. And do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.